Okay, we're going to begin this next story, taken from It's Rum Life, Book 3, Ivy House Tales, 1970 to 1984. It's called The Navi Barrow Story. It's from about 1973. Background. This story revolves around New Bolingroke Town Hall, a veritable local historic monument, the history of which actually takes us back to the Wars of the Roses. As I've mentioned somewhere already, New New Bolingbroke has an elder brother, Old Bolingbroke, the birthplace of King Henry IV of England. Back in history, Blanche of Lancaster married John O'Gaunt, who consequently became Duke of Lancaster when Blanche's father died. Blanche and John had two children, whose governess was Catherine Swinford. More concise historical facts can be found in Anya Seton's famous book Catherine and Bolingbroke Castle was one of their principal homes. The Black Death consumed Bolingbroke and resulted in the death of Blanche. Then many years later Oliver Cromwell was responsible for the final destruction of Bolingbroke Castle after a violent battle at Blood Hollow, Winsby. New Bolingbroke was created in the late 1790s and early 1800s by John Parkinson, the Reevesby Estates manager. These estates were owned at the time by Sir Joseph Banks, of Endeavour fame. John had several ambitions, one of which was to build a new town, complete with light industry and homes for all the workers. The chosen location was equidistant between Boston and Horncastle, and there were no recognised roads at this site at the time. The building materials were transported down the Medlam drain from Boston and manufactured products from the various factories were shipped out the same way. The drain had its terminus in the new town and John built his home on the north bank of the drain, the basin. This is the house Ruth and I were most fortunate to live in from 1970 to 1984. Ivy House, New Bolingbroke. The drains. A note here about drains in South Lincolnshire, accepting that the readership or listenership for this story will be worldwide. I should explain that South Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom is something like Holland, the Netherlands, being flat, wet and for the large part below the level of the sea alongside. Experienced canal engineers from Holland were employed by principal landowners in the 18th century to drain the wetlands and the fenland, hence these drains. With the introduction of enclosures by these landowners they gained access to more usable agricultural property. The whole of the south of the county is crisscrossed by drains of various sizes. Many of them are interconnected and eventually the water drained from the huge area of agricultural land is pumped out over the sea walls into the sea. Some of the larger drains are the size of rivers but do not flow as such as they are all of the same level. Back to the story. The new town was not a financial success, even though the infrastructure was so good that most of the town still exists. There were road rope works, candle works and brick works, and there, and there, 
there are still rows of workers' cottages bordering the long straight road that was actually constructed to Boston to the south and Horncastle to the north afterwards. There is also a crescent of London-style townhouses in the centre of the village, opposite the village green, uh, and town hall, in fact. The village has changed very little over the years. The town eventually had a station and railway service that connected to Lincoln via Woodall Spa and Skegness to the coast until closed by Dr Beeching in the 1960s. A final piece of notable history came from the time when we were restoring the hall. We found that the green in the centre of the village still belongs to the Duchy of Lancaster. The Duke of Lancaster today is Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The story of this unusual wheelbarrow comes from our efforts to raise money to pay for the hall restoration. We had to find a quarter of the cost. Lincolnshire County Council paid for half and East Lindsay, our local district council, paid the other quarter. Being an inventive sort of chap and being on the hall management committee, I'd thrown several ideas at my colleagues. The first being that the hall was not used sufficiently simply because it was not a nice building in the early 1970s. The arches were all bricked up, the high inside ceiling prevented economical heating being used and there was no natural daylight except from upstairs windows which were not accessible. An ex-school friend in Boston who was also a surveyor agreed to give the hall the once-over. He saw no objection to the arches being opened up and glazed. He also had ideas for a kitchen, a proper cloakroom and heating. The County Council were at this time looking for community projects to support financially and we fitted the criteria perfectly. Another of my ideas was to run a shellfish stall at the Carrington Park Traction Engine Rally. It made profit thanks to the kind offices of one of my haulage clients, Sid Lovelace from Boston. He loaned us a proper catering caravan and sold us the necessary shellfish at a good price. Our target to meet the required one quarter of the total cost was several thousand pounds. We needed a big idea. The big idea was to hold an auction in the open air on the village green. I must put my hand up and admit it was another of my brainwaves. Our committee thrashed out the fine details and I set out to find a willing, tame auctioneer who would draw the crowds. I found him in the form of Mike Lemmett, the best-known local auctioneer who had managed, <laughs> managed to set up his own estate agency business in the local town of Boston. Michael was known to me personally. In his early career, he had worked for the local auctioneering and estate agents firm of my Messrs James Ely. In his early years, Michael had been one of those auctioneers working hard every Wednesday on Boston's Bargate Green. Michael was charismatic, very well known, respected and accomplished businessman. He was also a fine, very low handicap golfer. He agreed to be the voluntary auctioneer for our mammoth fundraising auction for the new Bolingbroke Town Hall Restoration Fund. Mammoth it really turned out to be too. 
lots were invited to be sold with either a suitably large percentage of the proceeds being donated to the hall, or better still, the whole lot. I incorporated my own not unsubstantial publicity ability, and with the aid of the local press, we attracted over 300 lots. Michael was not amused. He was even less amused at the end of the day, when he was truly on his last legs and totally lost his voice. Ruth and I brought, bought two things at that auction. Firstly, an upright piano for daughter Helen to practice her music, and secondly, the Navi Barrow. The barrow you see in the picture, there's a picture attached to this story, uh, is, was taken recently here in France and is of that very same barrow. This is now, I wrote this in 2008. The only thing different is the tyre, and that can tell a tale too. In book two, you'll read or listen to the tale about Bamboozle, which we bought in 1966. The tyre you see on the barrow is one of Bamboozle's trailer tyres. The trailer itself succumbed to tinworb in the 1980s, but the tyres were still good. They were 400 by 8 four-ply Michelin high-speed road trailer tyres and I bought two of them for the trailer when we decided to take Bamboozle for a holiday to Gairlock just off the River Clyde and a bit north of Glasgow in about 1973 towed by our then number one car 432 GFU a 1962 3.4 Mark II Jag which it cost us £200 to buy. That tyre is now over 44 years old and there's still no sign of cracking anywhere. Uh, actually now in 2021 it's still there and still going strong. Back to that wheelbarrow. It was very second hand when we bought it at the auction. It previously belonged to the Lee family at New Bolingbroke. Its frame is particularly heavy. No doubt that is why it has stood the test of time, including over 24 years muck carting at the Northcote Heavy Horse Centre every day before joining me in retirement here in France in 2008. Admittedly, it's been welded up a few times. Oh yes, as an afterthought, we did raise sufficient money to pay the restoration bill, thanks very much to Michael Emmett. The hard work was well worthwhile, as the hall became popular with all kinds of different local clubs and associations. It was in use many times every week and still is. For more detailed information, can be found by following the story, Changes to the Town Hall. There we are, thank you for listening. Okay, this is a new ending to all our stories. There's no shop anymore. Since Covid, we decided to allow free access to all our complete books, videos and audio stories. You can access them all via our new website. The address is www.itsarumlife.com The spelling I-T-S a-R-U-M-L-I-F-E dot com. No spaces. It's a rumlife.com. There we are. Have a, have a good look. And thank you for listening.